today on It's Time. Rather than me tell God what he needs to do, I need God to tell me what to do. I hear the calling, it's time. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going verse by verse through the New Testament book of Acts. So, follow along as we join Pastor Mike. Sometimes miraculous things that happen are immediately ruled out because it's not found in God's Word, okay? I agree to that. But at the same time, I have to look at what it says here to be fair. Now, this goes against what some might say is common theology, but we have to look at this. What unusual miracles. Now, it doesn't say, let's just look at this, okay? We're going to have to look at this up close because this is uh, pretty amazing. God worked unusual miracle by the hand of Paul. Is that what it says? No. Miracles. Circle yes. You say, why is that important? Because we have one illustration of one of these unusual miracles. Let's look and see what it is. So that even the handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them just because of his handkerchief. You think that's a unusual sign? I would say. Ah, chew. Here, take this over. It'll get rid of the demon. Okay, let's look at this up close now. Where do we find in the Bible that handkerchiefs had supernatural powers? really not there. This is just an illustration of what was going on in Paul's life. I think it's dangerous sometimes to put God in a box and say God can't do certain things. Now I know this goes against even sometimes even some Calvary Chapel theology, but the problem is nowhere in the Bible where they take in handkerchiefs and laying them on people anywhere else in the Bible. So this tells me that God is not limited always to our understanding. Let's look at it again. So even the handkerchiefs or aprons, <laughs> aprons, wow. Well, as priests in the Old Testament wore something like an apron. They wore an ephod. Um, and, and, and that was with the stones, which represented the 12 tribes of Israel, which also are the same stones that we find in heaven, that our new heavenly place that we're all going to dwell forever are reminiscent of. But handkerchiefs were taken from Paul. Now, And they were laid on them to heal people, but also the handkerchiefs got rid of demons too. Friends, that's pretty unusual. Especially when we don't find Jesus saying, and when thou goest, take thy handkerchief and cast out many demons. You get what I'm saying here? I mean, we have to be fair when we read God's word. And and, and the thing is, sometimes 
will follow oftentimes maybe even the teachings of a man rather than really looking at what the Word of God says. So when somebody says, well, this minister came up to me on a Sunday morning, he looked at me and he grabbed my hands and he shook my hands and I got healed. People say, well, that's not in the Bible. So we know God didn't do that. Arrogantly, I might say. But the person was healed. Well, I guess the devil did it. Not so. Be careful. You might be thinking you're more spiritual than you think you are. As I'd be different if I find everybody in the New Testament carrying around napkins and aprons and healing people and casting out demons with them. But I don't find that. I only find it here. Well, then it's in the Word of God, Mike. Well, remember this. When this was written, it wasn't in the Word of God. This is, it was canonized in over 300 AD. So at the point that this was written, it was not in the scripture. And so when we say we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, here's a problem. This wasn't in the scripture at the time it was written. Uh oh. Now we got a theological issue, don't we? <laughs> See, I, I don't want you just to come in here and say, and go, okay, Mike, give me a mental massage. Oh, that's good. I want you to go out of here with questions. Because you know what? When you have questions, you're going to dig and you're going to look. And you know what? When the questions are posed to you, or you have them, it's going to force us into our prayer time to say, God, I see this. How do I reconcile this? And God looks at you and says, I'm bigger than what you think. I like that. Isn't that neat to know that God can do greater than I can ask or think? Now, am I saying, well, we need to start looking for gold dust? (laughs) That was a new one that was kind of flying around, or holy howling, or something like that. Well, what's wrong with that kind of doctrine? Well, the problem is, is that oftentimes the focus goes from God onto the howling. Somebody asked me one time, do you dance in your church? I said, "Uh, boogie woogie, I mean what? And they said, no, do you dance? I said, no. And they said, well, David danced. And I said, well, that's true. Remember when the ark was brought back and he danced before the Lord and Michal, his wife, said, oh, didn't you make a fool of yourself today? Dancing out there with all the people, disrobing in front of everybody. And David was just happy the ark was coming back. And they said, well, don't you dance? And I said, no. David dances in the Bible. And I said, yeah, but you know what? I said, David's not my example. Jesus is my example. And Jesus was not dancing. So what do we say to all that? I want to be careful that I don't put down somebody because they see something a little bit differently than I do. Now, I do believe that the Word of God is absolute. I believe it's complete and true. But unfortunately, sometimes we go to the Bible with a preconceived idea, and then we try to make our philosophy and our theology fit what I already think. And friends, it's not always there. I want somebody to show me where were handkerchiefs used to cast out demons in the Old Testament. (laughs) We live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, Jesus said, and, and, At the time that this was written, this was not canonized. So, the point simply is this. God can do bigger things than we think. So, as an example, 
if I'm in a service, for instance, and this actually happened to me. I, I went to it. It was called the Vine on Whittier Boulevard. If anybody was there back in the uh, about 1970, it was a government. It was kind of a government building. They rented it on a Saturday night. Christian band up in front. It was kind of a long, narrow building. And the Holy Spirit did some really saucy things there. Okay. You know, like where in the Old Testament it says that they couldn't minister because of the, the anointing of God and everybody was just kind of, you know, couldn't stand up. Well, I went there, and I went there because I, I came from a Christian background. I was not spirit-filled, but I loved God. And I didn't have any power in my life. I wouldn't really witness at all, but I loved God, and I was interested in these hippie Jesus people. This is, this is something new. So I decided to go out there, and I went out there, and I remember parking. I was with my sister. We went into this place, and there was a Jesus band up in front. And they were singing, and they were worshiping God, and I, I mean, the church that I grew up in was very straight-laced, very, you know, bringing in the sheaves, we will come rejoice, you know, and, 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 and so they're up there playing their guitars and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and there was a girl up there kind of twirling around. And I said, man, now this is something you don't see every day. And I was there, and I looked around, and everybody's people had their hands lifted up, and I'm going, this is really weird. And while we're there, all of a sudden, I, I got started getting woozy, and I couldn't stand up, and pretty soon, I was sitting on the floor, and sitting on the floor wasn't good enough. And then I was laying on the floor, and I was just laid out. And my face, I still remember this, my face was laying on the dirt, or, you know, on the floor. And the floor was, you know, I mean, it was a, it was not carpet. It was, it was like a tile or something. And I was laying there, my arms were kind of, and I'm just laying there like this. And I'm just laying there watching them worship God, people swaying back and forth, this girl kind of twirling around a little bit. And, and I'm just laying there. And, Finally, the service got over, and I crawled out of the place on my hands and knees. And I told my sister, I said, you're going to have to drive home. I think I, I drank something, and there was something in the water or something. And after I got outside, in a few seconds, I was fine. And I had a Volkswagen van at the time, and my sister, I don't know how to drive a stick shift. And I said, you're going to learn. You know, and because we had to go home, I, I, I was fine. And I never, and I, it was the most weird thing that ever happened to me. When I see this, where it says, and God did many other signs and wonders, I, I look at that and I go, that's what it was. There was, it was undeniable that God, I had a close encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I did not know what that was all about, but I knew it was real. Nobody came up to me, evangelist, smacked me in the head, heel, and knocked me over. Nobody came up and kind of wooed me back and forth and then kind of gave me a good fling and a shove. It was just God. I, you know, everybody had their arms around me, and I just melted. I needed that. Why is that? Because I was raised in a church that taught that the Holy Spirit ceased with the apostles. And so that's the way God said, I'm still doing miracles today. Well, looking at that. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Paul. Miracles by the hand of Paul. One of them, in fact, look at this. 
Okay, you like to really read the Bible? Good. Let's read it good, okay? Set aside all your kind of what kind of sometimes what we always have thought and about something. Let's look at this. Because <laughs> if you like to underline things in your Bible, circle or underline the word so, okay? Verse 12. God worked many unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even his handkerchief... Oh, wait a minute here. So he was doing other things that were outside of just the handkerchief. The handkerchief was kind of like the, you know... You know, the icing on the cake kind of thing. That even his handkerchiefs were taken to people and demons went out of them because of the handkerchief. You you catch that? So the word so says there was a whole lot more going on. Now that's the kind of Jesus I think we need to see today. That's the power of God. You see... I want to be careful because I know it's possible to put God in a box and limit him by what we think. Well, this isn't positive confession. This is simply biblical reality. We can say, you know what? God can't do that. You're right. (laughs) He ain't going to do that for you. But you know what? God can do things. Now, I'm not going to go around in this positive confession goofy mentality that starts visualizing and confessing things and making things happen that way because uh, I have found, as I read in the book of Genesis, you can make things happen, but it never tells you how to unhappen it once it happens. In other words, it works, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're in God's will. In fact, it's almost sometimes even kind of witchcrafty, you know, kind of things of visualization. So rather than me tell God what he needs to do, I need God to tell me what to do. And by understanding that, that's where prayer comes in. Now, we have another concept. Understanding that Apollos could only bring them as far as he had gone, then I need, we need, us as a body of believers need to say, okay, God, what do you want us to do in these days that we're in? Let's keep reading. We're running out of time. God worked many unusual miracles by the hand of Paul so that even the handkerchiefs, aprons, were brought from his body to the sick. Diseases left them and evil spirits went out of them. All over handkerchiefs. That is, to me, friends, so amazing. So amazing. Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves. Oh, now here's a problem. This is where... You can't get into this positive confession stuff because they took it upon themselves. They weren't being led by the Spirit of God. They were what? They were leading, they were lighting their own fire. They took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Also, there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, who did so. So this was coming, literally, no doubt, they saw the power of God in Paul. And so they took it upon themselves to emulate or to fake what he was doing. And so the name of Jesus that Paul speaks of, it tells us here, we adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Oh, What's wrong with that? Well, because, you see, 
they had never been to Jesus. They'd only heard about Jesus. And so going back to Apollos, where you can only bring somebody as far as you've been, the Jewish priests and the seven sons of Sceva could only bring Jesus' name as far as they knew who he was. You see, they really weren't believers. They were just people using the name of Jesus. Look what it says. These seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest as well. So this tells me that Paul evidently was making a tremendous... If we go back, let's go back to verse 10. And he did this, continued two years, so that all who dwell in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. This guy, people knew who he was. And I believe that probably the Jewish people, the, the Sanhedrin was saying, hey, you know, we, we, we better do something here because everybody's going over and, and seeing what God's doing there. So, so the chief priests, uh, the Jesus that uh, Paul preaches, um, we adjure you, you come out. Well, here's an interesting thing that we find in the scripture. The evil spirit answered, And said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Wow. Now, I do believe that we as children of God that have confessed Christ as our Savior, the underworld is very much aware of who you are. But when you're not born again, you're just another face in the crowd. You're just another one of the devil's pawns. And he said, and who are you? Notice what happens. The man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Wow. This one guy had supernatural strength because of the demon that lived within him. Where do we find that in the scripture? Remember when Jesus said we're going to go on the other side of the lake? And they get to Gadara. The one gospel records there were two men in Gadara. Another one records there was only one. It's because maybe the other guy ran off. We don't know what happened to him. But the one who hung around, the Bible says that they would bind him in chains and he would just snap them. Supernatural strength. So we know demons can do this in an individual, give them supernatural strength. And... This one guy leaps on these seven guys, beats them up. And the last we find in the scripture, they're still running naked. It says they were naked and wounded. And it became known to both all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. Why? The power of God. You can fake a lot of things. But you can't fake God's power. Can't do it. And God's power was evident. This little incident right here went hand in hand with what we read in verse 10, where it says that Paul's message had communicated through all of Asia. Now you find the power of God and the Jewish priests, they were powerless against these demonic forces. It's only in the name of Jesus did the demons cave in. And many who believed came confessing and telling their deeds. Literally, they were confessing their sins and what they had done wrong. I mean, it, it put some holy fear into them. And also many 
of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. And they counted up the value of them and it totaled 50,000 pieces of silver. Now, this is really, I looked this up. How much is 50,000 pieces of silver in, in, in the world today? Well, the world today is a lot different than then, but some people estimate that probably 30 pieces of silver, depending on who you look at, because of the things that you could buy and all those kinds of things, was probably, some say $400, $500, some say as much as $2,000, based on value of value of today. Now, if 30 pieces of silver was around was around $2,000 of buying power today. That would put this somewhere between 20 and maybe $50 million. And they burned the stuff. They didn't put it on eBay. They didn't have a garage sale. They didn't try to sell it at a pawn shop. They burned it. Why? Because it was of the occult and it had no business being any longer. And so it says... Those that practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of them all. It was a, it was a public thing saying, hey, we're done with this junk. And so the word, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. We'll stop there tonight. Wow. So what do we learn tonight? Well, a couple of things. Are you moving towards God? Are you growing in his knowledge? Or are you stagnated? The second question that we find came from the man with demon possessed. Jesus we know, Paul we know, but who are you? That's a good question. Who are we? If we're found in Christ, you have the Spirit of God in you. And the Bible says that the demons are subject to Jesus' name because of the power of God that's in you. When we understand we can only bring somebody as far as we've gone ourselves. And when you go through trials and problems and issues and you come out the other side and you went, wow, God, I can't believe you got me through that. Then when you're sharing with somebody that's going through a problem, a trial, very similar to what you've gone through, and you go, hey, listen, I know God will get you through this. How do you know? Because I went through it just like you did and God got me through. You see, you're bringing somebody along that you, yourself, you've gone there as well. You can't teach the Word of God if you don't know the Word of God. And unfortunately, a lot of times people are teaching that have never read the Bible cover to cover. And because of that, they have a skewed view, and so they can get off on tangents and say, well, you know, yes, you, you, you never get the Holy Spirit with power until you ask for God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And they use Acts 19, just as we looked at tonight. But they negate Acts 10. Or they look at Acts 10 and negate Acts 19. So the whole counsel of God's word brings what? A balance in our lives. And that's going to make the difference to grow in Christ so we don't go on the pendulum swing one side and then the other, but God will have us right in the middle of his love and that's where we need to be. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you for your love. And thank you for your word. And God, I know you want to do supernatural, wonderful things in each one of our lives. And so, God, we ask you to guide us by your word. We know that everything is in your word. And in your word, it says there are many awesome, wonderful things that you do. And so, God, we ask you tonight that you would do those through us. We surrender our lives to you. We ask you, God, that you would empower us by your spirit. And, Lord, we look forward to the great things. 
that you will do in our lives tonight and in the days to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening. And tune in next time for It's Time.